Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Hello, I'm John Donvan, host and moderator of Intelligence Squared US. Last week, armed attackers brutally shot down 12 people in an attack at the offices of the Paris-based satirical magazine Charlie Hebdo. Among the victims was the editor-in-chief, Stéphane Chabonnier, three other cartoonists, two police officers. This was not the first time Charlie Hebdo was targeted for its controversial depictions of the Prophet Muhammad. In this interview held in 2011, shortly after their offices were firebombed, Chabonnier defended the magazine's editorial viewpoint. We can't caricature Mohammed in France. Oh, yes, we can caricature Mohammed. We can caricature everyone in France. In France, religion's part of a philosophy like an idea. And I can caricature Mohammed just like I can caricature Marx. Well, the world has come together to condemn these attacks. But last week's massacre has reignited a debate about the importance and the risks of free speech. New York Times reporter Jennifer Schosler summarized that discussion taking place especially right now among cartoonists and journalists when she wrote this. Were the victims of this attack free speech martyrs, full stop, or provocateurs whose aggressive mockery of Islam sometimes amounted to xenophobia and racism? Well, in order to shed light on these questions, we're going to take a look back now to one of our first debates ever staged by Intelligence Squared U.S. It took place back in 2006, not long after a Danish newspaper came under fire for its own cartoons that depicted the Prophet Muhammad wearing a bomb as a headdress. And these images were famously reprinted in Charlie Hebdo. That night in New York, the motion we debated was this. Freedom of expression must include the license to offend. Among those arguing for the motion was cartoonist Signe Wilkinson of the Philadelphia Daily News. She kicked off the debate with opening statements that went like this. Since World War III almost started over a bunch of cartoons, I want to thank this evening's organizers for including a cartoonist. 150 years ago, the Tammany Hall politician Boss Tweed responded to an offensive cartoon against him with the famous line, Stop them damn pictures. The reason we're here tonight is that these days everyone wants to stop them damn pictures if the damn pictures in question hurt their feelings or the feelings of their tribe. What really enraged believers wasn't that Muhammad was pictured, but that he was pictured negatively. To test the point, at the height of the controversy, I put Muhammad in this cartoon, the big fat book of offensive religious cartoons. <laughs> He's third from the right, flanked by Jesus and God and a few other laughing deities. No one protested this because no one cared about Muhammad being drawn as jolly and benign. When Hustler ran a spoof claiming that Jerry Falwell's first sexual encounter was with his mother in an outhouse, <laughs> the right Reverend Falwell did the Christian thing and sued in a case that went to the Supreme Court in 1987. 
the unanimous decision was written by that famed pinko degenerate William Rehnquist, <laughs> who wrote that even though the spoof was outrageous, outrageousness in the area of political and social discourse is inherently subjective and that the court has long protected free speech, even speech that offends the audience. So the offended are left with the same option I use, free speech. They can and do write, call, picket, boycott, and draw their own cartoons, but in, in America, thank God and the Constitution, they can't claim special privileges and stop them damn pictures. Thank you. Among those arguing against the motion that freedom of expression must include the license to offend was Daisy Khan. She's executive director of the American Society for Muslim Advancement. As you'll hear in this clip, Daisy was interrupted during her opening statements by one of her vocal opponents, the now-departed British author and journalist Christopher Hitchens. The appropriate question to ask today is whether freedom of expression is absolute and limitless, or should it come with some social responsibility? The reason why we're having this debate today is because a number of recent events, such as the Danish cartoon and the Pope Benedict's remarks on Islam, have brought this issue to the forefront. My Jewish friend called me right after the cartoon crisis. Jewish rabbi friend called me, said, what are you doing about the cartoons? I said, what are we going to do? It's just a cartoon. He says, no, don't ever accept it. This is what they did to us in Germany. Okay. They started with the cartoons. Excuse me. Wait, wait, come on. Come on. I don't know. It's offensive. That's stupid. No, come on. And nasty. Christopher, no, no. no. Christopher, right. come on. Stupid, nasty. Christopher, thing. come on. So when you publish cartoons, which of course are a form of entertainment and hence immensely popular as a medium for conveying a particular message, or you give a speech, a person in a position of immense power like the Pope, which further drives people apart and cements stereotypes, you're using public discourse to malign the way an already marginalized community is perceived. And this, my friends, is not in accordance with our foundational values of free speech. This is un-American. Hitchens' interruption set the tone for what was to be a passionately argued debate on both sides. The motion again, freedom of speech must include the license to offend. Christopher Hitchens led by example during his closing remarks. Uh, the real question, or if you like, subtext question before us is this, is nothing sacred? What we've really been discussing is the old question of whether or not a, there is such an offence as blasphemy or profanity. And now, if I don't tell you exactly what I think about the simpering speeches that we heard from the other side, I'm not censoring myself. I'm just being polite and civil and saving some of your time. What I will not prevent myself from saying, or will, and will not let anyone else prevent me from saying, is the following. It is wrong and always has been for p churches, powerful, secular, human institutions, to claim exemption from criticism, which is what's really being asked here. If there's going to be respect, it has to be mutual. Does Islam respect my right to unbelief? Of course it does not. Does it respect the right of a Muslim to apostatize and change belief? Of course it does not. I have had to have, I can name now four or five friends, six or eight maybe, if, if I had time, five or six of whom you would certainly have heard of, who have to live their lives under police protection for commenting on Islam, for having an opinion on it. And this is getting steadily worse all the time. And it's grotesque. Here is an enormous religion One. With, with, with gigantic power that claims that an archangel spoke to an illiterate peasant 
and brought him a final revelation that supersedes all others. It's a, it's a plagiarism by an epileptic of the worst bits of Judaism and Christianity. That's obvious, it seems to me. Do you think, how long do you think I'm going to be able to say that anywhere I like? It would already be quite a risky thing to say in quite a lot of places. I did not come to the United States of America 25 years ago to learn how to keep my mouth shut. And I'm going to reject, I'm going to reject all offers that I changed that policy, however simperingly they are put. Okay? Arguing against the motion, freedom of speech must include the license to offend, was Mari Matsuda. Matsuda is now professor of law at the William S. Richardson School of Law in Hawaii, but at the time of this debate, she was teaching at the Georgetown University Law Center. Listen as she argues during her closing remarks that limitless free speech can itself curb our freedom of expression. The N-word is hollered out from a passing car to let a black man know that he is not walking in a neighborhood where he is welcome or safe. The speaker knows the effect of that word and uses it precisely because it terrorizes. Why is it that we recognize in American law that if someone spits on your shoe, that's an attack on your personhood? Um, But we won't recognize uh, words that we know socially, historically, um, from the reality of the human lives that we live, have exactly the same effect on your personhood and your ability to move freely. I am talking about liberty, and I, it's fascinating that we are um, all coming from the Enlightenment tradition. One minute. And as much as we disagree, I feel affinity with people on the opposing side because we are all concerned with losing our democracy and losing our freedom. I think there are forms of speech that make us less free because we stop talking each, to each other and we don't have the conversations we need to survive. And allowing this kind of invective perpetuated. Um, Daisy has been out on a limb on herself defending um, the Muslim community, and I have to speak up. There is hatred of Islam in this country, and it's not a healthy thing. There's also ignorance, um, and we need to open a space where we can talk to each other, disagree, criticize, and learn. And that space closes when people are allowed to assault. That night, now nearly a decade ago, the New York audience voted overwhelmingly to support the motion. Freedom of speech must include the license to offend. Given the events that have taken place in France last week, where do you stand on this motion? If you want to hear more of this, the full debate from Intelligence Squared U.S. is available at intelligencesquaredus.org. Again, this debate we featured just now was held on October 16, 2006. Join us for our next debate, January 15th in New York City. The motion then will be, Amazon is the reader's friend. You can find tickets on our website, intelligencesquaredus.org. And if you can't make it to the event, you can stream the full video live and cast your vote on all of our past debates on our website, intelligencesquaredus.org. And check out NPR's newest show, Invisibilia. The latest episode explores what would happen if you could disappear fear and it reveals the striking and rare case of a woman who feels no fear. From the people who created This American Life and Radiolab, Invisibilia looks at the invisible forces that shape human behavior. Subscribe to Invisibilia on iTunes now, and don't miss a single episode. Thank you so much for listening to this Intelligence Squared U.S. podcast, and remember to think twice.